Welcome to Believe Readers to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, where we cover books that are a blast from Peter Parker's past. Today's books came out at the same time as the following three events. Alex Mueller was awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics alongside George Bednaraz for their important breakthrough in the discovery of superconductivity in ceramic materials. Michael Jackson attempts to buy Elephant Man's remains. And U.S. President Ronald Reagan challenges Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down the Berlin Wall. <laughs> Here to provide additional insight on the most important and his favorite of those events is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? You know, I'm doing okay, James B. It's a great day, but I'm very happy to be here. And Michael Jackson buys the Elephant Man's remains. I'm unfamiliar with this, but I know like Michael Jackson owned many of the master copies of Beatles records and other strange eclectic things. So not terribly surprised by this. <laughs> I don't, it says he attempts to buy them. I, oh, I, attempts. Oh, that he, oh, I see. But he didn't actually own the elephant man's remains huh i just know it this is may of 1987 so whatever you know maybe it'll be updated maybe in july we'll see michael jackson you know takes a bath with the elephant man's remains i don't know i just <laughs> i just go to this day in history and pick out something that happens the same time as one of our books okay james B. so you, you didn't pick the other two no uh you know we, we never really get to talk about the other ones so uh since you left them alone we're gonna bring in a guest to comment on one of them Please welcome back our friend Dana to explain which of the remaining facts she thinks is most interesting. Happy New Year, listeners. I'm super excited to be here to discuss these issues with you both. So last time I was on the show was back in Halloween of 2022, and I was dressed as Wednesday Adams. You were dressed as Wednesday Adams while you were on the show? Unfortunately like. not, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that would have been great. I would have I, had I would have played the cello in the background. That's right. Dana, I would have recalled this because I have such a tremendous amount of young students who want to play the cello. And I'm like, why? I don't why does everyone want to play the cello this year? And then I think everyone should play the viola instead. <laughs> that's a hard sell for a lot of people, Dana. You know that, right? <laughs> but then you have your you can read the alto clef, you'll be like by yourself you'll have your own language it's cool <laughs> give it a try play the viola spoken like a true violist mm -hmm. <laughs> well i i would never i would never stop the young children from playing the instrument that they would like to play unless of course there was a billion of them <laughs> like i had to a little bit as, this year as much as we want to uh continue talking about these things that i would love to edit out of the show uh, <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't bring us back on track here for a moment. Dana, do you want to talk about uh, Ronald Reagan or a Nobel Prize in Physics or anything? Well, I don't know much about ceramics, but I do know that in 1987 was a pivotal year in science for CRISPR-Cas9, which was discovered in E. coli. And it's used for gene editing. And the reason I know this is that it is plastered to every biology textbook I have ever read in my life. So there you go, listeners. That's why you're here. Speaking of uh, <laughs> books that everyone's read, Dana, why don't you do the intro for the first book? From April of 1987, Stan Lee presents Web of Spider-Man 25, Beware the Stalker from the Stars, written and penciled by Larry Lieber, inked by Vince Coletta. Books that's everyone's read, huh, James B? All right, we'll take that transition, and I will start with there is a clash of cosmic beings over a powerful weapon, the Cosmutigalizer. 
It comes to Earth. Spidey finds this baton-shaped weapon and is chased around until he helps defeat the bad alien and gives it to the good alien. I see you're not working, uh, being paid per word, or else you would have been able to put this summary together a little bit longer. That's it, huh? I, Short and 30 sweet. Minute, 30 minutes of my life, I read this book, I get ready to look at the notes, and he's got two sentences. Bad alien, good alien. <laughs> you know, Peter's not dating anyone in the story. He doesn't reference fights with any other villains from the other Spider-Man titles. Aunt May doesn't reference her relationships with friends or the roommates. And her and Peter are going out to an expensive meal. And uh, there is a missing brooch as a plot point. Uh, yeah, There is a good alien who does reveal a clever little plot twist at the end. Uh, I don't want to mention it in case a listener uh, is one of the few that hasn't read this book yet, even though I know it's a pretty popular book. I do appreciate the thriller book had him in his black suit as opposed to the red suit from the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man Doc Ock book that we recently encountered. Yeah, I did wonder why he was wearing his black suit. Granted, I have not been here for a while, but it was nice to see the black suit. Was he in the black suit at all when you were with us? Or is it all like new to you? No, I don't think he got it yet. It was all red and blue. Uh, Eddie, do you want to talk about the black suit real quick? Uh, Well, he picked up the black suit in Secret Wars and pretty much something keeps happening to his red suit. (laughs) So he ends up in the black suit but this is not the symbiote the symbiote is long gone but felicia harding the black cat she keeps making him suits and it's like here you go peter you know with their on again off again strange very passionate love affair Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he just ends up in black suit all the time yeah but when they do these filler books they make the mistake of having already drawn them with his red suit so they try to sneak in these like, oh, you don't notice this book. And he's in a red suit occasionally. So usually we're like, wait a second. Why is he suddenly in a red suit? But that's why I was happy. Like, at least he was in a black suit for this filler. I think it's pertinent to note that this is a Larry Lieber book. That's Stanley's brother. Uh, we haven't had him write too many Spider-Man books, but I find his stories always seem a little dated with a distinct mid-1960s feel about them. Uh, James B., can we do a segment here with Dana? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, It's time, once again, for It's Not Huckleberry Finn, It's Spider-Man. Let's read the dialogue on the first page of Web of Spider-Man 25, starting with I Will Transport. I'll be the orange one who's, like, I think the good guy. I'll be the alien with the cape. I'll be the scaly-looking alien. (laughs) I will transport the... Cause molten geyser to you at once. It will increase the power of your advanced weaponry a thousandfold, making possible the conquest of worlds that even you, Zanja, never before dared to attack. And in willing payment shall I fill your coffers with one third of all the wealth those planets yield. So be it. But not all Signorians are cut from the same war cloth. One dovish lieutenant rushes to Valu, the monarch of neighboring Nignus the second. If your ruler knew you had revealed his plan, you would envy the dead. Zangri is a tyrant with a boundless ambition. If he gets the cosmogological, the heavens will tremble. You must stop him. 
Mine is a peaceful civilization. But not weak or fearful. Though we are capable of space travel, we avoid it. Entanglements in the affairs of other worlds is dangerous. We prefer to journey back into our own past. More expertise in time travel is renowned. But alas, it does not fulfill our need. Thank you for listening to It's Not Huckleberry Finn, It's Spider-Man. There. Oh, oh, James B., I enjoyed that so much. Thank you, Dana and James B. There is a lot of buy-in required from page one here. <laughs> Two different alien species fighting over something that I've never heard of. I flipped the cover of this book to make sure I wasn't reading a Marvel team-up. Yeah, when, when I was reading it, I thought it was a Marvel team-up. As well. And I also, my second thought was, man, I wish this was Huck Finn, which I've never read. <laughs> well, Huck Finn's a pretty popular book. It's not quite as popular as Web of Spider-Man 25. But this book has time travel in it. And it has good guys and bad guys. And Spider-Man's sort of in the middle of, a, you know, a wacky adventure. It's kind of what it is. It, so it's, it's not too terrible. There's a lot of body possession going on in it. So... I mean, it's it's a thing. There's something here. Sort of. Thank you, James Lee. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry you guys didn't like these filler story that we had to deal with. But surely the next book is back to the main story that we've all grown to enjoy. And it's from May of 1987. Stanley presents Web of Spider-Man 26, Nothing to Fear. Plot by Stefan Pachuca. Script by Len Kaminsky. Pencils by Tom Morgan. And inks by Mike Esposito. While Spidey is catching some two-bit hoods, he is exposed to some chemical waste at a train yard that makes his spider sense painful and debilitating. One of the hoods gives him a sob story, and he lets him go, only to find both of them later committing crimes again. Spider-Man catches them, and a few days later, his spider sense is back to normal. Yeah, we got three sentences that time. Dana, you got anything you want to say about this? Since Eddie didn't cover basically any of the plot, you can say anything you want. Um, I liked how he found out that they were like robbing a philanthropy thing on the television at the Bugle. I thought that was a cool way to like show the exposition than just like reading a paper. It was a little bit more creative. I liked it. And yeah, convenient that his spider sense resolved and works again. It reminded me of when Mysterio was messing with Peter Parker's spider sense in the movie adaptation. I thought this was the best of these three amazing Web of Spider-Man books we had to read. The the sob story Eddie's discussing in his summary, it's a lie. Uh, and But later the criminal's partner is trying to kill him. So he puts an ad in the classifieds to have Spider-Man meet him. He'd rather be arrested than dead. I think that's great. I don't think that's something we've ever seen in these books, like take me to jail, arrest me because I'm fearful for my life. You know, it's kind of a more complicated plot line that we would see in in a Spider-Man book. And as far as Spider-Man storylines, there are, you see Joe Robbie, who's in the story. We we, we see uh, Josie's Bar. There is a scene with Jonah on TV as well. of course, this story could fit anywhere because, unfortunately, he's wearing the red costume 
And he's living in his apartment from five years ago. If you didn't notice, there's no <laughs> no skylight. We're back to the to the Indian and all that good stuff. So, yeah, I, li- I did like the cover, which is by Charles Vest. It depicts Spider-Man in his black suit, rather <laughs> irritating. Uh, not irritating to me, but he looks rather irritated as he descends into battle. Uh, as you mentioned, James B., we immediately begin with him in his red suit. And see Peter in that apartment that <laughs> he had before he had a fire and then MJ redecorated. I, I miss his old apartment and its eclectic, uh, eccentric nature. <laughs> I never thought I would, but I do. Yeah, I was looking at his apartment, too. I like the quilt he has on his sofa. I don't know <laughs> if that's Mary Jane's taste, but I was too busy noticing the Burma shave sign. He has a giant Burma shave like poster hanging above his sofa. And I know about them because they're like littered all across Route 66, like the historic route. And the Burma Shave signs can be seen from, like, Santa Monica if you're driving down Route 66 all the way to Flagstaff, Arizona. And my friend, Justin Scard, who showed me the Burma Shave signs, is also, like, a huge fan of Mark Twain, or (laughs) a.k.a. Samuel Clemens, which is the author of Huck Finn, which I did Mm. not read. Interesting. So it sounds like this is... The perfect podcast for your friend to listen to. It's all tying together. (laughs) Also, I like his Tiffany lamp, and I notice he has a little cup by his coffee table, and I'm wondering if he's drinking milk or, I don't know, maybe Milo tea, Ovaltine. Who knows? Ovaltine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Eddie. Where do we... Let's do that story at the end of the show. So sure, uh, that's I, a good one. I'd like to point out uh, as we conclude this amazing book, the best of the three, that uh, in Josie's bar, Spider-Man goes and looking for one of the hoods, and and he collapses when his spider sense goes off because he's having problems in this issue where whenever his spider sense activates, it like causes him pain, uh, and he's about to get beat up by these hoods uh, because he goes in there like, hey, I want to know what these, this guy is, and the the cops respond to a call. And um, the thugs all run away. And I I spent a little bit of time like reading it, rereading it. I, I think Josie called the cops. I was kind of surprised. It seems like she's in a dive bar. I don't know why she'd be calling the cops. I think she her clientele is kind of criminal, but I guess she just didn't want that fight in her bar. So I don't know if anybody else noticed that with all the other amazing things going on. <laughs> I like the close-up of Josie. She's always a great presence to have in any book, so... <laughs> But she was really like talking to the cops. Like they had a whole bunch of yeah. moments where she's like, and then this happened, and then this happened. She's not saying anything. She's, she's probably just pretty good friends with the cops. <laughs> yeah, but she's usually like kind of like friends with the crooks. I thought she's kind of like a tough person, but here she seems more like a, I don't know. Maybe it was a different Josie. Maybe this is Josie's uh, hired help or something. I don't know. But we got one more of these Web of Spider-Man books left, and it's from June of 1987. Silly presents Web of Spider-Man 27, Scared to Succeed, story by Dwight John Zimmerman and art by Dave Simons. All right, here I go again. An auto company executive, Lee Camino, is under pressure to resolve a strike. His success as a businessman was due to a deal with the mob, but part of the contract was that if he failed, the mob would take his son, Headhunter, the mob's hitman. Kidnaps both son and father, and Spider-Man comes to save him. Spider-Man encounters an array of booby traps that nearly defeat him, but he one-punches Headhunter and saves the father and son. Yeah, it was nice to see 
Parker be a photojournalist again and like take pride, really take pride in his job for the bugle. Because he's like, this man looks kind of sketchy. You know what? I don't know if this has anything to do with the crime, but I'm going to take a picture for him. It might come in handy for the bugle. And I was like, that's cool. I'll say, and then the guy takes his camera and destroys it, though, just for the record. Okay, but I was living in the moment. I was like, that's a good idea, Peter. Like, do your job. Do it well. Sure. Eddie? To be fair, if I saw a headhunter who has a very intense mohawk and a extremely militant-looking outfit um, with a vest, I might think he's a suspicious character, too. <laughs> Same. I was very excited about how Headhunter had booby traps that debilitated Spider-Man's senses. He has, like, speakers that play loud noises to deafen him and disorient him. There's magnesium flares to blind him, and he puts acid on the walls to keep him from wall crawling. It's only the sense that he doesn't know about or you know, can't compensate for the spider sense that saves Spider-Man. It's actually a really good fight scene and realistic, too. This is one of the most complicated stories I've read in a while. We didn't even talk very much about Lee Camino, which is two-thirds of the book. I mean, he's he's a Lee Iacocca knockoff from Chrysler. I'm sure Eddie and Michigan know all about what we're talking about. But this was one of the most complicated stories I've read in a while. The conclusion of the book really is just trying to focus on the father choosing his son over the money. It takes a long time to get there. I don't know if I needed decapitated heads in the story, in my opinion, but... (laughs) A little dark. Uh, Anything else to talk about this book? Dana, I feel like you should tie this one together since you've done such a good job with the last two. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there was like a a lot of plot in... I don't even know what to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> was was I the only one confused about this like plot line, trying to figure out what was really going on? Like extremely complicated, and I feel like Lee Camino and uh, the other guy they're talking about here not only look similar but are confusing to me too. I, you know, like I couldn't figure out who died first actually in the alley <laughs> from Headhunter. Right. Very it's, confusing. It's very confusing. Well, you know. Sometimes we, we're not there. We don't really know what's happening in these stories. But sometimes there are people there that can help us. And, uh, and that's why it's time for our sponsors. Listeners, The Daily Bugle presents Live with Eddie. Each week, The Daily Bugle lets Eddie interview someone at the scene of these stories. Eddie, today, please welcome Mr. Andy Mapenzi. To discuss everything he witnessed. Take it away, Eddie. A- Andy, are you there? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here, Eddie. Okay, Andy, uh, you witnessed things today. Can you tell us anything that you witnessed? Oh, yeah. So, like Spider-Man, right? He comes into the bar and he's all like, Hey, uh, I'm looking for Willie, duh. Sorry, Andy. You know, I was a little confused. Uh, I didn't remember you. You were in Josie's bar uh, when Spider-Man came in then. Yeah, yeah. He comes in here. and He's all like, uh, he's making jokes. And he's like, uh, he's going to hurt us and stuff. He's like, uh, where's, who is Willie? He's like, what do you think we is? Like a union of like, uh, uh, of guys who like know each other. And if we do, like, I wouldn't tell just creep anything. And... You weren't you weren't afraid or anything. How often does Spider Man come in there? Kind of often, right? In Daredevil. 
Well, I mean, this place, uh, the, the place has a lot of issues, like uh, the break into windows all the time. But you know, Josie has a nice new window now. So, but the, he comes in there. You should see this jo- this this joker. He's like, hey, you guys are gonna need two ambulances. Hey, I, uh, I'm Spider Man. Hey. Do you have any other input on what was going around with these, uh, you know, the mob and Camino, uh, the guy who's trying to resolve this auto worker strike? Are you part of that? Uh, what? What are you? I don't know what you're talking about, El Camino. No, he's looking for. He's look. He was looking for. Uh, he was looking for this guy Willie, who was part of the. Uh, who tried to rob like the famine, uh, famine, uh, the famine relief fund or something. Uh, uh, okay, thank you, Mister um, Marcuzio. What was your name, sir? Mapenzi. Uh, Mapenzi. Mapenzi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, this Spider Man's lucky that the police came because. Uh, this guy was going to get a whooping he comes in here trying to mess around with us and Josie and stuff. Okay, all right. Well, Mr. Mapenzi or whatever your most recent alias is, I hope you have a, another strong, uh, long drink at Josie's. She's a good lady. Uh, try, to, try to keep from falling through the window, okay? All right, thank you, Eddie. Thank you, uh, Andy. And that's all the time we have for today. Remember to Andy. check out the Daily Bugle for even more news and first-hand accounts like this. Amazing. Did you ask Andy, the guy from Josie's Bar, about the uh, Lee uh, Lee Camino? Yeah, Lee Camino. He's he was on, he's on the you know TVs. I thought Andy might have recognized him. Maybe. Yeah, he might have. I mean, it, um, I mean, it's it's not actually the same. I, I don't think that was the same uh, the same story. But other than that, it was it was probably a good question. You know, could have asked him more about the, you know, about Willie. Remember the, the guy who wanted to go to jail. <laughs> of course, James B. Josie's bar? No. Okay, it's fine. Where's the bar, Chelsea? Is it near his apartment or is it like in Hell's Kitchen? Hell's Kitchen. Near... Hell's kitchen. So Hell's oh, kitchen. all right. So yeah, Matt Murdock probably frequents there. Yeah, they, they also wear different color suits. The Spider Man's that Eddie's asking about from the one that he. <laughs> What was the black suit? What was the other one? But it's kind of hard hitting journalism in, the, in our podcast, James B. No, it was it was great. You got some you got some insight on uh, on on the criminals, the criminal minds of what's going on down there. That's good. So, Eddie, do you know why they call it a dive bar? I do not dive to the well. Is that why? Uh, I think it's just because the bar part of these uh, establishments was like. Underneath the buildings, you would have to like dive under the building to get to it. Oh, so, uh, Dana, do you have anything else you want to talk about? It can be about one of these issues or another book you're reading, a TV show you're watching, a recipe for banana nut bread. I really leave it up to you. It's your time for what, what you got going on. Yeah, so um, I've been reading the Percy Jackson series lately. I don't know if any of our listeners read that as well, or they have read that in the past, but there's a new show that aired and i've been trying to familiarize myself with greek gods Mm, the gods of the olympians pulling back the curtain i believe the finale is like today it is yeah 
But our show but, is recorded a little bit, uh, you know, not, we're not that far behind. So if, if you're listening to this, the finale was whatever, two weeks ago. So there you go. You missed it. Oh, yeah, it's January, it's though. But do you guys have any New Year's resolutions you are keeping or that you made? Mm, I, I do not. Eddie, do you? I also did not have any for this year other than to just con- I'm pretty happy trying to be pretty happy with what's going on. <laughs> How about you, Dana? Uh, my New Year's resolution is to be more fearless when it comes to trying new food. Because, like, I usually oh. eat the same meal in, like, <laughs> meal prep. So, <laughs> just trying new things. I think are it's we, good. Are, and, like, are we allowed to know you're typical? Because I feel like this applies to everyone on this podcast now, right now, too. <laughs> what is your I usual meal, whatever's, Dana? Like, whatever's, like, easy, like, lentil soup or, like, pasta or, like... I don't know, some sort of, like, wrap with lettuce and stuff. Trying to be healthy, you know. Okay. But different flavors are good. Learning to cook different things are good, too. Well, right. if you're really trying to be adventurous, I'd be remiss if I just didn't quickly sneak in here the fact that Dana Maxi's and Josie's Bar are your one-stop shopping dining experience. Whether you're ordering libations for takeout, stopping by the bar for post-work drinks, rallying up goons to fight Spider-Man at the docks, or meeting with any informant such as Nose Norton, those bars have you covered. You know, they don't accept AAA discounts, and children under eight not admitted without an adult, but you should might be interested in checking those out. So, part of your New Year's resolution. What is, your, what is your drink of choice? Who, me? Yes. I'm the, I'm the wrong person to ask. I... <laughs> I just went 14 years drinking only water, so. <laughs> that is your drink of choice. <laughs> that would have been my drink of choice. At Josie's Bar, I would definitely have a rum and coke and almost nothing else. <laughs> a rum and coke? Yes. I'll do that, mean? too. I'll have a rum and coke with you. Good choice. There you go. There you go. Eddie, how can people reach us? You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or click on the link in this podcast description to join our Discord channel and connect with us through social media. And now it's time for Eddie's most interesting realization. As Spider-Man swings through the local police precinct, he tells them he found the super dangerous extraterrestrial weapon, to which the cop at the desk tells him, Take it to Darth Vader down the street. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Earlier, uh, Dana mentioned Ovaltine, and we got to chuckle out of that, right? But tell the full story as quickly as I can here, James B. I'm on a field trip with James B. He goes to introduce me, and he says, And this is uh, Mr. Haspatcher. His name in French means the good policeman. And he says this to a bus of 55, 10-year-olds or 11-year-olds. So it's impossible to stop them all from coming to me and being like, Hey, you, you were a policeman in France, right? And I'm like... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I guess if you want to. Fast forward a little while. Um, my students are uh, giving uh, James B. a hard time about something or other. And he furthers this story. He says, you know, Mr. Haspatcher was a policeman, right? <laughs> and he had a nickname when he was on the force. It was it was Ovaltine Jenkins. And the student's like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, it's because he'd, he'd drink a tall glass of Ovaltine and slam it down on the 
table before he went out to uh, solve crimes. <laughs> and this story moves around the whole school, so I have hundreds of children coming to me like, you really like Ovaltine, don't you, Mr. Haspatcher? <laughs> and that that is a small vignette of what it's like to work with James Reed.